0: Welcome to NFP's Insights from the Experts Podcast. Each episode showcases timely expertise and perspective from members of the NFP community, delivering information, analysis, and solutions that address our clients' most significant challenges.
1: Hello, and welcome to the Benefits Compliance Podcast. My name is Suzanne Spradley, and I'm here with my colleague, Chase Cannon. And we bring to you timely topics for employee benefits plans. And today we're gonna talk about the DOL. They published some long awaited pandemic related guidance that employers have been waiting to um, hear about. And then we'll get into some congressional action as you've likely heard, the House recently passed a COVID relief bill and now we're waiting on the Senate to act. So Chase, let's start off with the DOL. Um, What did they recently do?
0: Yeah, so to understand what the DOL recently did. We have to go back in time, so a little back to the future here. But back in May 2020, the DOL addressing some of the challenges created by the pandemic, they provided relief requiring group health plans to disregard the period from March 1st, 2020 until 60 days after the end of the national emergency. That's called the outbreak period for certain deadlines. So this created this outbreak period during which certain deadlines would be told or suspended. And those deadlines related to COBRA, uh, HIPAA special enrollments, and claims filing appeals and external review. Um, And then employers were also given additional time to furnish participant notices, um, including um, things like COBRA election notice. the elections themselves, premium payments, and then I mentioned HIPAA special enrollment rights, so that 30-day window that employees usually have to enroll a new spouse or a child. And like I said, that, the time to file an appeal or external review request.
1: So, on, I mean, on its face, this sounds like this would be good news for employers. Is that true?
0: Yeah, well, in theory, it's good news, at least for employees and participants, and then for employers that were struggling with, particularly with that COBRA election notice. But, you know, a lot of employers use uh, administrators or vendors um, to get those out. But for those administrators, this is a total nightmare, and it's kind of become that way for employers as well. Um, So now you really had a a COBRA election period, for example, that could, could last a long time if I'm terminated during that outbreak period let's just look back a little bit here to April 1st. Let's say that's the day I was terminated and lost my group health coverage, April 1st of 2020. Normally I'd have 60 days to elect COBRA. So I'd have to elect by the end of May, 2020. Now with the, or sorry, with with the original rules back in May last year from the DOL, I have until the end of the outbreak period. So that, that outbreak period was until 60 days after the end of the national emergency. That was sort of the White House. They had to proclaim the end of the national emergency.
1: So that's, that seems to be like the big question. What, when is the end of the national emergency?
0: Yeah, well, there's the rub and that's what everybody's been asking for the last year. There hasn't been an announced end to the national emergency. Uh, but there's this other part of the uh, law here in ERISA that limits the time the DOL can extend things. And that limitation is one year. So everybody in the industry has kind of been looking forward to February 28th, and we've been in that boat, um, uh, assuming that the outbreak period would end on February 28th, 2021. So that's just a few days ago. And this seemed like a reasonable interpretation, and the DOL hadn't weighed in on it at all. Um, so everybody was just kind of guessing, thinking that everything would sort of come to a close at the end of February. But the DOL did weigh in on it, finally, Friday, February 26th. So with two days to spare there, thank you so very, much. Right, very timely. <laughs> they, they published a new notice explaining that the duration of the relief provided under the notice of extension is limited to a period of one year from, uh, but they're using a different frame of reference for the one year now. They're saying that the it's based on the date the individual action would otherwise have been required or or permitted. So instead of the one year limit being assessed from the effective date of the notice of extension, which is what we were thinking it should end on February 28th because that's the March 1st, 2020 was the day it started. Instead, it's actually assessed based on when an individual or plan first needed to utilize the relief. So this means that until the end of the outbreak period, um, that that the period that's disregarded will vary dependent on when, it, when the triggering deadline occurs. Um, so in other words, it's just kind of a rolling deadline based on when somebody, uh, you know, needed COBRA. So if that was June 1st of 2020, their one year deadline is now June 1st of 2021. At least that's when you just kind of suspend everything for one year, then you'd have 60 days from that date in 2021. So um, the DOL actually made it an earlier of analysis. They basically said it's the earlier of one year from the date the individual or plan is first eligible for relief. In other words, the date of the event or 60 days after the announced end of the national emergency. Um, we're still in the national emergency. So that hasn't formally ended yet, but that could potentially limit it going forward depending on whenever the White House says the national emergency is over.
1: Oh, wow. I, I sounds like a nightmare. Um, yeah. So it's basically when you're rolling deadline based off the employees
0: or the employer's need for the extension. Yeah, exactly. So let's go back to my example. I'm terminated on April 1st, 2020. I would, would have had to elect COBRA by May 30th, 2020 under normal circumstances. Under the newly clarified guidance, so I have until uh, May 30th, 2021, Um, unless the the earlier update comes in there if the end of the outbreak period occurs before that. Uh, So so that's how it would generally work, right? You just kind of extending it one year. Um, If my COBRA event was before March 1st, 2020, let's take a second example here. So it's before the original outbreak period began. Let's just say it was January 1st of 2020 so that I had to elect COBRA by March 1st, 2020 then I would have only had until February 28th, 2021 to elect COBRA. I got my extra year, but no more. So that's how it would work for COBRA election periods with those two examples. Hopefully that helps illustrate. Interestingly though, as I mentioned, the outbreak period is still going. So if I experience a COBRA event this year, let's say my COBRA election period begins April 1st of 2021. As long as we're in this national emergency, my election period is told So I'd have a one-year tolling period that would end next year on March 31st, 2022, and my 60-day period would start April 1st of 2022, my 60-day COBRA election window. So the the exception there would be the earlier of, if the national emergency ends before April 1st, 2022, then that would shorten my election timeframe. But that's, you know, we hadn't really thought about that going forward because we're still in the national emergency this one year uh, period uh, continues to go. Of course, the challenge here and maybe why this will ultimately not be a huge impact is that um, uh, if I to, to get that COBRA, I have to pay premiums back to my triggering event, right? So it's unlikely many employees will take advantage. Going back to my very first example, if I have to pay for COBRA retroactive back to April 1st, 2020, that's a huge lump sum of money that I, I probably don't have particularly if I've just lost my job.
1: Right. Yeah. I, I mean, this is, you know, honestly, it's, it's tough to follow even by via this podcast. So I do want to say that we certainly have written materials that will be provided. Um, and so don't feel like you have to follow along with all of these examples and retain right. that information. Um, but, and this was really, it was helpful though to walk through from a COBRA, COBRA examples, but let's walk through it or tell me about how it is applicable to HIPAA special enrollment.
0: Yeah, great point. We have some really great resources that we've developed with these examples and other examples in them to help on that. But let's say for for HIPAA special enrollment, this is maybe an easier example. Let's say an employee had a baby on August 20th of 2020. The plan normally allows and is required to allow 30 days from the date of birth for the employee to request a HIPAA special enrollment uh, to add that baby. Uh, The disregarded period here would last until the earlier of the end of the outbreak period. Again, that's if the national emergency ends or or August 19th, 2021. So you can see kind of that one one year period of of just kind of suspension. And then after that date, uh, that August 19th, 2021 date, the employee would then have 30 days to request the special enrollment. So it's really almost like 13 months after the event to request special enrollment. Mm.
1: Well, I mean, you know, like you said, a lot of our uh, plans are outsourcing some of this administrative work to third parties, but not all of them. So, you
0: know, how would this work
1: administratively?
0: Yeah, and again, I mentioned the nightmare. It really is. Administrators have already been faced with how to handle the COBRA issue. Most have been terminating the employee in the extended election window and then promising to enroll them retroactively and cover any incurred claims retroactively. That's been probably the most common approach. So that will continue through this rolling one year extension. Uh, It'll continue for potentially another year or longer, depending on the end of the national emergency declaration. So we'll keep monitoring that. Um, I guess that's one thing here. Most administrators are probably familiar on how to do that for now. The other challenge is noticed to former employees, the rules originally is written in May, 2020. We're never really clear Um, Whether it was the employer or the administrator that should notify employees or former employees about these extensions, the new guidance also isn't very clear. Uh, So somebody's supposed to do it, but we don't really know exactly who. The bottom line here is that if you're an employer, you should work with your COBRA administrator to see if they'll help, but plan on notifying, come up with some way to let employees know or former employees know. We're, again, working on an employer toolkit to help with these extensions, including uh, more information on employee notification.
1: All right. So the DOL has been keeping uh, us busy in the last few weeks. And, and before that, it was the IRS with the FSA and DCAP. But if we're looking mm-hmm. forward, um, our next, uh, I guess you can say, uh, benefits compliance events would be through Congress. So what, what do they have working on right now?
0: Yeah, well, that's what we're watching now. And many of you probably heard on, in the news that the House uh, passed their COVID release bill last week and it's with the Senate right now. So this is something that's probably going to happen pretty quickly here. Uh, most things we've seen or tried to get this through in the next week or so. Uh, but big news on COBRA here, um, potentially, again, this is just through the House and this is not law yet, but um, depending on what the Senate does and uh, the, the new law has COBRA subsidies. Basically the bill creates an 85% COBRA subsidy that would last six months. And it would run from the first of the month after the date of the enactment until September 30th of 2021. So we we just kind of assume it'll be enacted in March. It'd be a subsidy running from April 1st, 2021 through the end of September, 2021. If eligible, the individual can only be charged 15% of the COBRA premium. So that's the the 85% is the subsidy. Uh, COBRA participant pays 15%. And then the employer plan or carrier would claim a tax credit for the other 85% of the COBRA premium. So it would be the employer claiming the credit for self-insured plans and the carrier for fully insured plans, basically. And I think the,
1: chal- the challenge with that is that it's uh, starting up in, you know, after a period in which people have already been terminated, right? And so they're um, you know, the, the COBRA is not retroactive, it's, it starts in, in April. So there's a significant gap there in COBRA cost
0: coverage. Right, Right, so that's one of the big challenges here is that the bill creates basically a new COBRA election period. Anyone that didn't previously elect COBRA or elected COBRA and dropped, they'll have a new 60-day election period on the date that he or she receives a new election notice. So it's like a brand new shot at it. It's uh, almost like a second opportunity to enroll during your COBRA maximum coverage period, but with this huge incentive with the subsidy. So that's an important point. The subsidy does not go retroactive, um, which was maybe a good thing administratively. That would have been another huge nightmare to deal with. But this is just saying, look, anybody who is sort of in their 18-month COBRA coverage period, you're going to have another opportunity to enroll and you're gonna uh, be able to play that out with the subsidy at least for the six months from April through the end of September. To be eligible, the original COBRA trigger event has to be termination of employment or a reduction in hours. So no subsidy if it was a divorce or some other COBRA event. And then last thing on the tax credits, it would work very similar to the FFCRA tax credit. It's it's basically a refundable FICA tax credit and it uh, would be administered through quarterly employment tax filings.
1: So how would a terminated employee who lost coverage find out about this or know about this?
0: Oh boy, yes, this is a huge challenge, Uh, but the law basically requires the employer and administrator to include subsidy information in any current COBRA notices during that period. So if you have a COBRA event from April 1st through the end of September, the notice would have to include information about that subsidy. And then the bigger challenge is going back, right? They have to send a notice of new election period to those who are eligible. Again, that could potentially be anyone terminated in the last 18 months. Uh, That notice has to go out within 60 days of the applicability date, uh, which if the bill passes in March, that would be 60 days of April 1st, which means basically notice has to go by the beginning of June. And the employer or administrator has to send a notice of the end of the premium subsidy between 15 and 45 days in advance. So it's basically two new notice requirements. Thankfully, the saving grace here is that the law does require the Department of Labor to issue a model notice for both of those within 30 days of enactment. So hopefully that will help.
1: Well, it seems like the COBRA administrators are definitely earning their keep um, through all of this. Yes. <laughs> is there anything else in the bill that you see that could impact employers um, and their employee benefit plans?
0: Yeah, um, a few other things. One is an expansion of the premium tax credit. This is not directly related to employer coverage or um, employer responsibilities to do anything, but that's the subsidy. The premium tax credit is is the subsidy that low-income individuals can claim if they purchase marketplace or, or health insurance exchange coverage. We won't get into too many details there, but basically it's temporarily increasing the value of the premium tax credit and uh, fully subsidizing health coverage available through the exchanges for people earning up to 150% of the federal poverty level and those on unemployment. So um, previously, the ACA basically said, if you're 100 to 400% of the poverty level, you can qualify for a premium tax credit. Uh, But this also expands eligibility for subsidies to those making over 400% of the federal poverty level and caps premium costs at 8.5% of income. So this expansion of the premium tax credit would, would only last for two years as written, um, but it plays into that idea of expanding the ACA. That's a major Biden-Harris administration priority and you know could potentially be a place where, for, for employers anyway, for employees who, um, you know, weren't being offered coverage or um, aren't making enough, they could. that would be another option for them. That could potentially impact the employer mandate penalty, but if the employer's offering coverage as they're supposed to, it wouldn't impact that at all.
1: Well, and, and this also has uh, gives an, a person that would meet uh, the eligibility for the new subsidies, I would say, the expanded portion. Um, they need to weigh that against how much the cost would be under the COBRA subsidies, um, which is right. obviously, for a shorter time period than these uh, new subsidies but something that they need to take into account and take a look at which you know which, which avenue would be better um, is there any other nugget in that house passed version of the bill
0: yeah um, a couple other things for 2021 only uh, the bill increases the dependent care account so a dependent care FSA or dcap exclusion up to 10500 that's more than double what it is currently at 5,000. So perhaps a recognition that child care will be more necessary in 2021, or maybe that's a temporary step to making it a bigger exclusion in the future. Um, so that's kind of the only other big thing from a benefits from a non-benefits note, lots of money for a variety of interested parties, unemployment checks. That's the fourteen hundred dollar checks you're hearing about. Unemployment benefits. Um, we're hearing four hundred dollars a week in the Senate. That's a little bit higher in the House version. Um, an expansion of the employee retention and earned income tax credits, and then just money there, 350 billion for state and local governments, 150 billion for schools to reopen safely and 50 billion for vaccines, testing and contact tracing. So those are, when we talk about pandemic relief, I think most of that money is there to try and help, you know, ease the burdens that have come from the pandemic. we didn't get to the minimum wage fight that's totally outside of our scope but that's another thing you'll be hearing quite a bit about or have heard of quite a bit about um but there's lots in there we'll see what the senate does with it this week
1: yes indeed it'll be interesting to watch it on the senate side um we've already heard of some pushback so we'll we'll see what what ends up in that bill when it finally gets passed but i we know that something will get passed so we'll wait to see what happens right. um they are working on it now um so with that Chase, uh, we we thank everyone for joining and we like to wrap it up by saying it's a wrap. That's a wrap. Thank you for joining.